With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. And welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith here alone for a solo interview episode. Chuck and John will be back later in the week for the full episode if you're not getting enough chuck and john please go to patreon.com slash fast break breakfast you can support us and get content from us that is available only there you can join our three dollar a month slack chat and talk to john and chuck at your heart's content or until they stop replying to you don't think that's happened uh still pretty much we're replying to everyone so far so good no regrets opening up our private lives to the faithful supporters of Fast Break Breakfast at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Today's episode, not about the playoffs so much, about the bad teams once again. Talking about the NBA draft, now the lottery order is set, brought on expert Cole Zwicker from thestepian.com to break down the top 10 picks, kind of what he would do, talk about some of those bigger name prospects. So hopefully you will enjoy that. Also, if you haven't, write us a five-star iTunes review, please. It's a free way to help out the show. Uh, it's the, I want to say it's the least you can do. I mean, I guess technically listening is the least you can do. This is the next least thing you can do. Go ahead and find that Apple login. Log into iTunes. Write a review. Go ahead and get your parents, your girlfriend, your grandmother's Apple login. Everyone you can find, write some five-star iTunes review. It really helps the show out. So iTunes reviews, patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. One more time. Help us out. Patreon.com slash Fast break breakfast. My guest today is an attorney, a draft analyst for the Stepian, can be heard on the Ode to Odin podcast, often uh, a frequent guest on the Game Theory podcast with Sam Vicini, and is a return guest on Fast Break Breakfast. Cole Zwicker. Cole, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Sure. This is your season. We are. Uh, we got the lottery behind us. Got the draft a month away. This is like your, your silly season. How are you hanging in there? It's been kind of <laughs> overwhelming so far, but it's, it's great. I mean, now we're all on the same page. It's starting to be draft season, so people want to know more about prospects. And it's a fun time of year because the draft night is my favorite night of the year by far. So much unpredictability and just so much work goes into this all season. So I'm amped. Do you feel a massive letdown when the draft is over? It's a little weird. Last year, I was kind of like sitting in the dark for two hours after the draft. I was like, well, what the hell do I do with myself? But uh, we'll see when it gets there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this super busy time, I appreciate you making time for me. Do you still make time for breakfast? I do. Oh, you had any good breakfast recently? I'm pretty traditional when it comes to breakfast. I'm scrambled eggs for the most part with a grapefruit potentially. And then on Sundays, I do a BLT. So I don't mix it up that hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you, do you you eat the same breakfast? Is that all the all the like all year round? A Sunday BLT, eggs and pretty grapefruit? much, man. All right, yeah, 
that's, that's all many, I got for you. Uh, how many bottled waters are perfectly arranged in, in rows in your refrigerator right now? Not, not, not many, man. I'm more of like an out of the glass water drinker. I don't okay. have the bottled water, so <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know if you had one of those uh, like American Psycho style, uh, everything organized. I, don't I was know. about to say I'm not a serial killer, so that's right, my good. next. No, it's fine. I'm not, I don't want to dig too deep. I just want, I want your I want your draft takes. I don't need to know uh, <laughs> draft takes and breakfast opinions. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, this is fun for me because I don't really follow any of the draft prospects. I, I have a. Uh, a horse in the race this year, so to speak, as a Grizzlies fan. So I, I started paying attention a little earlier. I actually know some of the names of the prospects, but I'm still very much learning. Uh, so this this might be remedial for some of your bigger fans because uh, I, I want the broad strokes. Basically, I, I want to go over probably just like the top 10 uh, teams in the lottery and those guys at the top of the draft boards. There seems to be, uh, I don't know, again, I don't know anything. Seems to be some groupthink, or at least a, a large consensus, uh, on, on a lot of the sites on who these top ten um, players are. So I, I want to start. I, I want to get your opinion, obviously, on the players, and then maybe like what you think will happen if you think things will break from what you think the team should do. So let's just start at the very top. The Suns won the NBA draft lottery. Uh, it seems to be the consensus one, two, uh, Aiton and and Doncic, and both of those guys have interesting storylines connecting them to Phoenix. So I know the answer, I think, but uh, tell our listeners, if you're making the pick, who are you selecting? Well, first of all, you pronounced Doncic correctly, so that puts you in like the 95th percentile for people who haven't watched these guys closely. So that's impressive. For me, I would go, obviously, Luka Doncic. I think right now, just watching this playoff game, Boston and Cleveland, you see how hard it is to survive in the playoffs with a small point guard. If you can get your initiation, if you can get your playmaking from a wing size player, that's a huge competitive advantage. And I think Luca, at his best can be that primary creator, that high level decision maker that every title team needs. He has all of the skill level as far as an advanced handle. You know, he can make every read out of pick and roll. He can shoot pull up shots. He already has an advanced step back from like 28 feet. So the only concerns with him are basically athleticism based. And I don't think you're seeing the peak athletic Luca yet. He's, he hasn't been through an NBA strength regiment yet he doesn't eat right apparently so there's a lot of I I think there's at least some I don't want to say a lot of athletic upside to where he could get to maybe a transition like Jamal Murray made from college to the NBA level just get a little bit more pop a little more burst and we see the value of somebody like that a perimeter playmaker in in the modern game that's 6'8 that can shoot off the dribble pass and handle like Joe Johnson that's kind of who he reminds me of as far as how he dribbles and how he moves if you can get that guy that's an invaluable piece in the modern game yeah, I knew you were a, a Doncic number one overall. Uh, it, there seems to be some, some backlash already. I think there's always some of that European backlash kind of kind of baked in w- with any prospect coming over from Europe for for whatever reason. But now we just recently had the report from the the Draft Express guys at ESPN reporting that you know, like if he slides past the Suns and then maybe the Kings and Hawks aren't really interested in them as the Grizzlies fans, I'm getting kind of giddy. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> Oh, so, uh, why, why do you think he is, he is reportedly sliding? Is that just the smoke screen, the Prujaf smoke screen or is, is there something there? 
Yeah, it's definitely silly season as far as that goes. People, I mean, that could have been the, the Grizzlies leaking that just to cause chaos <laughs> or whatnot. Who, who really knows? But I definitely think there are athleticism concerns. If you look at the high pedigree picks in the past, most of them are high level athletes. That's how the NBA likes to draft because those guys are viewed as safer prospects because you have that high athleticism floor. Luke is a little bit dicier because of the transition from the European game to the American game. He's not a high level athlete. And he's exactly the kind of guy I think overall that the NBA tends to undervalue. So you see that backlash now because you have elite athletes at the big positions, you know, DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, Jaron Jackson's a, a lesser athlete, but he's a much better defender than both of those guys. So you see the guys who have the physical tools, Mohamed Bamba just blew up the combine with a seven ten wingspan. So you see those guys and that's the conventional thought process is those guys are safer. Luke is a little bit riskier when I actually think it's the inverse. Um, Right now is Doncic like Compare him to an NBA player, and I will make the like the European to European comparison. Like right now, today, acknowledging he's still just turned nineteen. Like, is he better than Bogdan Bogdanovich right now? Like, is he close to Evan Fournier right now? Is is that the hope, or is the idea he gets there in a few years? Yeah, I think you can make that argument. I've heard from reliable sources that say that he reminds them of prime Hidu Turgulu right now. And Hidu Turgulu was an effective NBA player. Like that guy was the number two or number three guy on a team that went to the finals and a really good Orlando Magic team, along with Richard Lewis, Dwight Howard. So I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but that's kind of who it reminds me of. Like stylistically, a, a combination right now of Turgulu with more of Joe Johnson's handling ability, be able to dribble in tight spaces and traffic, but obviously a much better decision maker than Joe Johnson was. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. I haven't heard that comparison yet of the, the Joe Johnson dribble. Cause when I do watch the highlights and again, I, I haven't dug into it at, at all. Uh, like I do see like he moves really slow. Uh, and, but then it's like, yeah, like I saw Joe, I got, that may move slow too, but you know, he was obviously <laughs> uh, very, very effective. So you like Doncic overall, but it seems like the consensus number one overall is Deandre Ayton. Do, do you think that's who the Suns will end up picking? Man, I couldn't tell you. I think it's 50-50 between those guys. Uh, I, I would lean probably Aiden just, again, based on historical precedent because he's that athletic and he's produced at such a high level. There's the Arizona ties with Phoenix and then going to University of Arizona. I don't know if that's actually real as far as tying into it. It absolutely shouldn't, of course. But you never really know how these things play out on a franchise level. Right. And then the other connection I guess we could spell out is Phoenix just hired uh, Igor Kokoshkov as their head coach uh, who who coached Doncic uh, for the Slovenian national team. So again, it, you know, we don't know who's making the call. There are the connections of the Suns owner Robert Sarver uh, having connections to the University of Arizona, where, where where Aiden played. And it does seem like, still, despite the fact that it seems like we're seeing a smaller role for big men across the league and and centers who can't find a home or or can't find their way onto an NBA roster or the minutes they feel like they deserve. Despite all that it still seems to be everyone kind of defaults like, well, let's take the big guy as opposed to striking out with the European wing. Like, do you feel like that is still kind of the mindset of GMs or if not GMs, at least like fan bases where maybe these teams are worried. Like if, if I'm going to miss on a pick, it, it better be on a big guy and not on a, a, a smallish white guy. 
I definitely think that's the case as far as the pressure to take someone like DeAndre Ayton with the physical tools. Nobody's going to care if you get that pick right or wrong. I mean, obviously, it's going to be detrimental to your franchise, but it's much more easily explainable that you went after this you know, very high ceiling upside player in, in the minds of many people based on how he looks as far as just 250 pounds, seven, five wingspan. The guy runs the floor like a gazelle. I've never seen anybody move like him as far as a guy his size. So I get being transfixed by that. But I think that's absolutely the case is it's much easier to explain missing on someone with elite physical tools like an Andrew Wiggins. Right. I mean, that's a perfect case in point of a guy who didn't have very good feel, but had elite physical tools was an elite athlete. If you get that guy wrong at number one, everybody's going to be like, oh, well, it was it was understandable. Right. He was an yeah. elite athlete. You just roll the dice but with Luka Doncic it's like oh we have this whole history with European players not panning out so that would just, that's just harder to explain to your owner yeah and so he obviously has the big defensive question marks do you think a guy like him who right now is only known for having like being a, a big offensive game is that someone you just have to take again because of the, the tools you mentioned like you've never seen him anyone with quite that athleticism or, or the they, whatever, lightness on his feet, whatever it is, getting up and down the court, that you have to take him, even if we're not seeing many offensive first big men make a huge impact for playoff teams nowadays? And you're hitting the nail on the head right there as far as how good you have to be offensively to really make that impact. And that's something I think is the disconnect with a lot of the draft guys, at least the guys I talk to, and then more of the casual fans is that disconnect. Casual fans think this guy's the next Carl Anthony Towns. Towns is on pace to be one of the best big man shooters of all time. He's also incredibly fluid, creating his own shot off the dribble. Those are two things that Aiton doesn't have in his repertoire yet. Like his shot's really flat. He can shoot from mid-range. It's not going to extend out to three necessarily, at least quickly. And then he's not that coordinated with the ball as far as ball handling. So I don't even see that same offensive outcome for him. And then you pair that on the other side. Aiton's a worse defensive player than a guy like Towns coming out of college. You know, his off-ball defense as far as reacting quickly to actions is not there. You know, the rim protection, he can be three feet away from the rim and a guy's driving he will not make the rotation so you see all that he slides in space really well so i don't think the guy's enos canner i think that's where the comparison and, and like the I, I guess the negatives on him people that are skeptical that goes too far in comparing him to a guy that can't move in space he definitely can do that it's just more about the iq game for me on defense and then paired with i don't know what his elite offensive skill is outside of scoring in the post or finishing around the rim and we know in the modern game in the playoffs you want perimeter bigs who have the ability to shoot pass and dribble those guys are incredibly valuable so for you, someone who is not as high on DeAndre Ayton, um, also my co-host John, he watches college basketball. He watches a lot, pretty much all the West Coast games. He hates, I mean, hates is a strong word, but he's, he's like DeAndre Ayton. He, he thinks he, he's going to be nothing again because he, he's just so lost on defense. He's more of like, I, I can't imagine how this guy you know, pans out or, or, or becomes anything more, <laughs> anything more than, I don't know, like, like the Enos Cantor or a guy who fills, fills it up on a bad team. So like if I go to the stepy.com, I, I see DeAndre Ayton pretty low uh, relatively to, to, to some of the other sites. So if you were the Kings and say Doncic was off the board, who would you take for the Kings? Would it be Ayton or would it be somebody else? It'd be Jaron Jackson for me. Okay. I think that he pro he profiles the best into the modern game for bigs. I know he's still a big, but I'm of the opinion that bigs can still have value. Like you see what Al Horford's doing. You see what Draymond Green's doing, Clint Capella. There's a certain archetype of big that has value. And I think that Jaron Jackson is the best defensive big that I've seen coming in the draft since I've been doing this. He's incredible. I mean, I didn't watch Anthony Davis closely, so that's probably the guy. But after him... Man, Jaron Jackson, his instincts are top-notch. He can play in space. He can protect the rim. His help defense is off the charts. Offensively, he does the skills that I like. I mean, he can shoot the three. He can attack off the bounce. His ball handling coordination is way underrated. 
His passing isn't quite there as far as like quick decision making. We've seen the importance of that in the playoffs, but he is unselfish. So he, he gets kind of categorized into this three and D archetype where he's a high floor, low ceiling player because he can't score consistently, even though he is a pretty good post scorer. He just does more of what I think a modern big should do is defend. First of all, you have to play defense. And then second of all, perimeter skill. And, and he does those two things. And I think he's a safe pick. He could be the best defensive player in the NBA. I have no resolve, no, no hesitation saying that. That's in his realm of outcomes. That's pretty amazing. He's a guy who's jumped up in that he, he wasn't even on my radar from someone who doesn't watch college basketball. I don't think I'd heard of him two months ago uh, when people were talking about, about draft picks, when the Grizzlies were turning uh, into tanking and I was starting to pay attention a little bit. And now, like, post-combine, uh, like, he measured out great um, and everyone's gotten excited. And now I'm seeing him, I feel like I'm seeing him now almost top three in almost every mock draft I'm seeing. So is it just that, that versatility? He projects out to be something what we see more of in the modern game? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, he's going to get the unicorn designation from a lot of these NBA executives. And you can see him rising. He's the youngest big in the class outside of Jonte Porter if he ends up staying in the draft. He's a year, he's over a year younger than DeAndre Ayton is. So that's something to keep in mind. It's like he improved a ton this year, too. I saw him play high school his senior year. He was kind of plotting. He completely refurbished his body. He looks way better. He moves way better. We've had him number two on our site for, I think, three or four months. Like, we've been all in the entire time. Like, this guy's a special defensive player. I like his approach as far as his intensity. If the Grizzlies got him at number four, I think this is a draft where there's not a huge difference. I guess if Luca goes one, there's not a huge difference between two and four, two and six. If, if Jackson's there at four, man, I think he could be the best player in this class. He has that kind of equity. Well, so, imagining uh, Jackson and Doncic go, you get the Hawks who... Uh, they don't have a lot they're building around. I don't feel like they have – same with the Kings, kind of. Like, I guess the Kings are – they feel good about De'Aaron Fox. Uh, and, you know, like, you know, Buddy Heald, Bogdan Bogdan, I'm sure, are kind of keepers. But, like, none of these teams are really, like, we're not going to take a guy because of someone who's already on our roster, would you think? That's exactly right. I call it like foundational pieces and who you draft around. Like the Knicks, if they were at two, they would be like, maybe I'm not going to draft a five because they have poor Zingas. But I don't think the Kings or the Hawks, uh, how they how the Hawks view Collins is kind of interesting just because he's super redundant with Marvin Bagley. I'm not sure if you can play both of them together and have like a solid defense, but I still think they would take Marvin Bagley. They're not to the stage where they wouldn't entertain that just because of John Collins. Yeah, that's interesting. That, that's 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 tough for the Hawks when you're like Collins, like yeah, you're like he's pretty good. But then if you choose another one, what do you do with Collins? <laughs> what what you know like then then you have the you got I guess you get to choose. And then again, we're dealing with the the world where no one ever trades trades for big men. So you you think that they would they would they would take Bagley even with Aiton still on the board? Or, or are you saying you would? Um, no, I, I don't know. That's tough. I have, I'm lower on both Bagley and Aiton, but I think if Aiton's there at three, I don't expect him to be, I mean, right. if, but if that was the case, he would go three, <laughs> but I think the the choice with the Hawks right now is probably between Jackson and Bagley. I don't have a great read on that. The read seems to be initially that Bagley is the favorite. They're infatuated with him, but you never really know. All right. So, so that, that, that comes to, to, to the Grizzlies and it does seem like everywhere we're pretty much getting Doncic. Although, I mean, you obviously threw a, you, you still haven't picked Aiton yet in, in your, in your world. Um, but, uh, it seems like most people are saying Aiton, Doncic, Bagley, Jackson. Is that, is that a consensus that you think is, is going to happen? Just some mixture I mean, of those four? Yes, I, that's where I would favor right now. Bamba with his testing, though, will make that very interesting. I could see a team taking Bamba over Jaron Jackson potentially, but I do expect Aiton, Doncic, and Bagley to go in the top four. I feel like there's this 
storyline or a narrative working of the Grizzlies won't take Bamba just because of leftover residual Hashim Thabit horror. Like the the traumatic <laughs> stress of the beat. I, I saw in, in the Ringers piece that of the top eight teams, the Grizzlies were the only team not to request an interview with Mo Bamba. I made the joke that's because they've already seen everything they need to and they found their guy. But I, I like do you do you think do you could you buy into that that the Grizzlies are like uh, we're not we're not even going to entertain it because our fans can't handle it. Man, I don't know. The Grizzlies are the hardest team for me at the top just because they already have established veterans on their team. And I don't know what their timeline is. I don't know what their trajectory is. Like Bamba is Bamba is a developmental prospect to me. Like you don't take him and assume he can help you right away. I think Jaron Jackson can help you right away as far as defensively. Marvin Bagley can be productive from the off. I actually think Bagley is a great fit in Memphis. Can fit next to Marcus Soule in that unicorn kind of role with Mark spacing the floor. Then you have the best point guard of the top eight by a long shot assuming LeBron leaves if he does um, in Mike Conley setting up Bagley in like a play finisher role. So I think a guy like Bagley, if they want to continue with this core makes a lot of sense for them. If he's on the board, Bamba is again, he's more, you have to develop him over time. A lot of his upside is tied to physical maturation, getting the same strength and conditioning program that Gobert did add that kind of lower body girth. This is going to take time. Uh, and as far as the Grizzlies timeline, if you believe any word they've said over the last few years, the timeline is now. They are playing for now. <laughs> they are still going for right now. So uh, th- that'll be interesting to see because it did turn out that a lot of the things that Grizzlies were saying over the last four months were actually just bald-faced lies, which was good <laughs> as it turned out, you know, for those of us who were like, please tank. Like, there's, we got to not try to win. We're, we, need, we need some uh, some ingredients added to the cupboard that can actually help. All right, the Mavericks at five. What do you think they're going to do? Yeah, this is another tough one. I think if Bamba's still there, he's probably going to be the pick because they need bigs so badly. Like their roster is so offset towards perimeter players. They need that that center of the future, depending on what Dirk does this year. I don't know what his plans are, but obviously he's not going to be in the long-term calculus. The only other guy I can see really threatening here is Michael Porter. I think that's a really interesting name because based on pedigree, he was the number one guy coming into this year. Like he, in high school, he was the best high school player in the country. He was better than Aiton. I saw him play against Marvin Bagley in person. He was a better player. So it just comes down to the medical. And you can't, I know this is one of the questions you posed about how much do we read into the games that he played this year? It's really tough because he did. He looked like a complete shell of himself. He couldn't even <laughs> jump. Like he, he couldn't even dunk and transition. And this is a guy who has that kind of fluidity. He's not like a crazy leaper. He's not Andrew Wiggins, but he's a really good athlete. And you know, I think he's more of a, a four-five than he is a wing. I don't know if he has the flexibility and the quickness to guard on the perimeter, so that kind of hurts his stock a little bit. But he's like one of the, he's probably the best off the dribble six ten guy that I've seen maybe since Durant and I know that's oh, maybe since Paul George that's a, probably a better comparison he, he can just shoot right over the top of guys he can shoot twenty eight footers off the bounce rising quickly he can handle the ball in transition I think I think he's overall just a high level shooter and we've seen in the modern game you can have a player like that at six ten who can get a shot that's incredibly valuable. He was one of the five halves of college basketball I watched this year was oh what was the Missouri game and I was. I was dumbfounded. <laughs> I was like, oh no, this guy, this guy's not okay. This guy looks like he's 18 going, <laughs> like going on the big three, like, could, you know, could not move, could not do anything. I was like, I'm not sure he can bend over. Uh, it was, it, it, it was pretty awful to watch, but he's talking this big game right now. Like he's, he's reminding everyone that I, I'm the best player in this class. Uh, he said something like I, I've been hurt for the last three years and I was the best player. And again, that's a red flag for me. I was like, oh, 
You, you were hurt when you were 16, 17, and 18? No, thank you. But, like, the switch is all these guys at the top of the board on most people's boards are big men, and there's only a couple guys in this top, like, near the top of the class who can make buckets. And making buckets is one of the most important things, and it seems to be getting more and more important every year that, like, to be on the court, you need to be able to hit a shot. So I guess these teams at the top of the draft are going to have the difficult decision of... Do we take a guy who we know or we've seen hit shots on, on, then on the other hand, you know, spinal surgery? Yeah, I mean, the, the medical is huge with him in draft time. He can control the board, too, because he can be like, I don't want to go to Atlanta. I'm not going to give you my medical information. So he can kind of dictate a little bit his destination. In theory, we'll see if that actually plays out that way. Clearly, he probably wants to go higher in the draft so he gets more money. But yeah, I, I just I don't have a lot of good answers for him just because I saw him play at a high level in high school. I saw him take the best team in the state. Um, the, he played about 15 minutes from my house his senior year. He took the best team. Uh, sorry, he took the worst team in that conference to the best team in the country <laughs> senior year playing for Brandon Roy. So this guy, he's a gamer, man. He's he's really good. I just don't know about the feel level. He never really got a chance to exhibit if he's actually a smart basketball player because he was always sick pen, super fluid. He can just rise up over the top of guys. We know what his half-court game is. And if you watch both college games this year he looked like an unmitigated disaster he's just chucking a bunch of shots there's no fluidity no iq to his game so i can understand being skeptical but at a certain point in this draft i don't know what that point is but you're going to run out of like those high ceiling guys and then you i think you just have to take a shot on him i think i read something this is not an accurate stat i think i read something in like the last year and a half he he has two assists total like he, he played, he played in one of the USA camps or something, or, or it was some camp he played in where in the three games there, he, he maybe compiled one assist and then he had one assist in, in his two games in Missouri. So apparently not, wasn't looking to, to pass the ball as, <laughs> as much, uh, a, a little concerning. All right, moving to the magic, a team that again, pretty much holes everywhere. Would they take another developmental big already having Jonathan Isaac as a big question mark? Is this where we finally see like the exciting Trey young? Like, what do you see them doing or what would you do if you were in the, the front office of the magic? It's a really fascinating question. I think everybody wants to pencil in Trey young here because the magic have needed shooting for like 10 years. They need a point guard and that he fits the mold of that. He's the best shooter in the class, in my opinion, overall, you know, dynamic off the dribble threat, but he's also a high, high level passer. He's, an insanely good passer. He's the most skilled guy for his age point guard wise that I've seen in the draft. Again, not trying to be hyperbolic, but that guy is so, so skilled. The problem is of course the size. And we see in the playoffs that smaller guards get their ass kicked and he's not gonna be able to hold position. He's too small. I mean, he gained 10 pounds after the season ended. He's still 177. <laughs> like he's, it, it's going to be a tough errand for him as his physical tools, but they need his shooting. I think if Bamba is here, just based on the Orlando Magic pedigree in their front office with John Hammond, they're more like positional size, length kind of drafters. So I think they would entertain Bamba because you can get away with playing Isaac at the four. Who knows what happens with Aaron Gordon as far as if he sticks around in restricted free agency. If they, put, if they compare Bamba with Jonathan Isaac, that is just an absolute nightmare to deal with on the defensive end. Can Bamba score the ball at all? This is my ignorance talking. Not really yet. <laughs> like the thing with him is he had this kind of fake shot. Like he shot a lot of threes at Texas, but his form was just wonky. It would come down to the side of his head and it just didn't look fluid at all. Then in the offseason, he starts working with Drew Hanlon 
who's like known for fixing guys' shots. Like he made Jason Tatum a two motion shooter into a one motion, and now you see the results of Jason Tatum. He can shoot the living hell out of the ball. So he's been working with Hanlon, and they posted a couple of videos of him shooting around, and he looks pretty good there. So I think he has to shoot right now. He's not somebody with his frame that can really establish position on the interior. He's more of a pick and pop guy who can maybe beat a switch on the interior, but he really needs that shot. And it's just really uncertain right now how much that's really developed. All right. So looking at the bulls at seven, who again, who again have a lot of needs. Um, I think a lot of their fans maybe are kind of hoping to Trey young comes to him or I'm seeing a lot, maybe on other draft boards of, of Trey young falling here. Uh, what do you think's in line for the bulls? Trey Young's interesting, but you, you start looking around at their surrounding cast. Zach Levine, probably their long-term two. He's a disaster <laughs> defensively. Then you look at Larry Market and not exactly the best defensive player. It'd be fun offensively, I would watch. But I mean, it's building a sustainable positive team. That's kind of a tougher sell. I think this is one of Michael Porter's soft landing zones. If he gets this far, the Bulls might talk themselves into taking a shot here, pairing him next to Lowry, even though I still don't like that very much defensively. Wendell Carter is a really interesting name. I think this is where he starts to come into play a little bit. He's actually my second favorite big in the class. I'm not saying he's my, he's a second best, but I like him the second most. He just does a ton of things that attribute to winning basketball. He gets the Horford comparison. He's not quite as mobile as Horford is, but it's, he's a much more advanced shooter for his age. So he can really shoot the ball. I think he's going to be able to shoot NBA threes pretty quickly. You can dribble pass really quick decision maker. And then he's just a really high IQ guy. I think he's going to excel. And in Hoiberg's system, I think he can really pass the ball and fit into that kind of screening actions. They run. He, he's just a really high level basketball player. So I think this is where you could start to see his name arise. Do you think the Bulls have any interest or would be able to move up in the draft if they packaged their 22nd pick that they're getting from New Orleans? Do you think would the Magic or the Mavericks or even the Grizzlies like feel comfortable with moving down a few spots to pick up that 22nd pick? And do you think the Bulls would be willing? That's really interesting. I think it could it could be possible. It depends. Like if Memphis, let's say Marvin Bagley goes third and they're not totally sold on Bamba, of course, for the reasons you've already noted. And then Jaron Jackson, they're just not intrigued enough. Maybe they, they view that as enough of a return. Maybe they ask for a little bit of additional compensation to move down, especially in this class where you can make an argument that at seven, you might not be getting the same talent level, even though I don't personally agree, but you could absolutely see that happen. All right. So, uh, so who are you thinking? Oh yeah. So Wendell Carter may, maybe can fall to the bulls. Cause again, Trey young, the Trey young, Zach Levine backcourt would be hilarious. Uh, Trey young <laughs> sticking to him again. My limited knowledge of him. He is so tiny. He measured out even like maybe smaller than they thought like, you know, six, three wingspan, which is less than my wingspan. Uh, like actually, I don't even know what my wingspan is. I'm six, four. <laughs> Hopefully I have somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, uh probably six, one. Anyway. Um, the, uh, like how is this, what is the upside play for Trey young? Like you're hoping you get a smaller Steph Curry. Like how, how does he, um, like how's he going to succeed at his size? Yeah, you're hoping. I think he's more like a ceiling outcome. Steve Nash. He's just a really high IQ player that can shoot the living hell out of the ball. Like that's one thing he didn't really get a chance to show. I mean, everybody knows about the off the dribble shooting, but he never played off the ball because Oklahoma needed him on ball all the time. Like he can run off screens. He was 14 of 19. I know it's a small sample on unguarded catch and shoot threes in the half court this year. Like he's basically lights out whenever you give him any kind of space. And I think in the modern game, he reminds me kind of like Damian Lillard with better passing. Um, maybe as like a high end median outcome or something like that. I, I, he just really, really dynamic offensively. He's an elite handle. He already has like the sham God dribble built into his game. Like he can make every kind of pass. He can make a left-handed pass 
from like the left elbow to the corner at high velocity. I don't think there are four players in the league that can make that pass. So he's just really advanced in so many ways. It just comes down to the size. I mean, he's six. He's just under six two, the six three wingspan, like you know, one hundred seven seven pounds. He's going to be just attacked and annihilated in the playoffs. And you really have to have a system that you feel comfortable defensively pairing him into. We've seen Steph even has a lot of problems and Steph's bigger than him. And he's playing with one of the best defensive teams I've ever seen as far as versatility. So it's going to take a lot of fit with him, but the talent is there. All right. So he's, he's eight pounds heavier and four inches taller than Damon Stoudemire. All right. I'm back on, I'm back on board. I'm back on board with Trey <laughs> Young. I can, I can now wrap my head around it. All right. Let, let, let's wrap these. Uh, let's wrap eight, nine and 10 all together because we've run out of the ones that I know. And I was w- wanted to keep this under 30 minutes. Uh, Cavaliers, Knicks, Sixers. Uh, what are your predictions and what, what would you do if you were running those teams? Cavaliers, this is again probably Trey Young's soft landing zone potential. I think Trey could fall a little bit farther, but if he's there, they would entertain this. It depends on LeBron. It's so tough with the Cavs because they could take a Mikhail Bridges from Villanova, the wing, if LeBron stays, and he could help them right away. They could take a Miles Bridges from Michigan State, he could help them right away on the wing. But if LeBron leaves, those guys aren't super valuable without like a primary ball handler. Colin Sexton, I'm not as high on, but you can start to see his name trickle in here. For the Cavs, I don't know. I mean, let's say Michael Porter falls this far. I'll give him to the Cavs. And then nine, I think, is this going to be a wing? This is going to be Mikhail Bridges, probably, or Miles Bridges. So either one of those two, you could pencil in at nine. And I think whoever's still left on the board, if Mikhail Bridges is there at 10 for the Sixers, he's exactly the kind of guy that I need. Um, so I would say the wings start to go off the board here. Some other names to consider, Zaire Smith. Um, from Texas Tech, kind of the freshman, you know, he underwhelmed at the combine, measuring at only six four, but he's the most functional athlete in the draft. You can start to hear his name here. Shea Gilgis Alexander from Kentucky is another guy, six six, kind of. People see him as a primary ball handler. I don't really. I see him more of as a wing. He's really, really skinny. He is four inches taller than Trey Young and weighs three more pounds. So that's the kind of frame <laughs> we're talking about here. But he's another guy you can see in this range. It, it's really dicey because I do feel like teams are going to move around a little bit just because you're going to have a drop off. Wendell Carter could fall all the way to 12 potentially just based on positional demand. So this is kind of the area of the draft. I think there's going to be some movement in. Do you think it makes sense for any of these teams like roughly in this area to trade down to the Clippers if the Clippers had any interest in packaging both like the 12 and 13 picks to try to move up a a few spots like or philosophically do you think it makes sense just overall if if you're like an eight to take two bites of the apple farther back at 12 and 13. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. In this class, especially like let's say the Cavs wanted to move down and get 12, 13 from the Clippers. The Clippers saw Michael Porter on the board. They want to trade up. The Cavs could trade back, get two shots at the apple. You can have a guy, even if Wendell Carter's still there, I think that he's a a similar caliber prospect to a Michael Porter. Then you have other potentially valuable guys. We already talked about Shea Gilgis Alexander. There's another shot at the apple, a high kind of a high ceiling guy. Well, I guess Shea's not really that high of a ceiling, but Zaire Smith is another guy. It's not inconceivable that Miles Bridges falls to 12 or 13. If you could trade back and pick up Miles Bridges and Wendell Carter and you give up, you know, Michael Porter, if you're not, if you're not certain about the health, I think that's the way to play it. All right, Cole, thanks so much for taking time before you go. Last question. Uh, When you were on last time, last summer, it was right after summer league. And I was trying to goad you into some, uh, you know, hot take reactions to summer league to go ahead and redraft the NBA draft after summer league. Well, we've now seen the entire season. I just want to ask you about the top of the draft from last year. If we redid the 2017 draft, 
obviously Donovan Mitchell was incredible. Jason Tatum is still playing basketball into the postseason. Uh, which which of those guys do you think goes number one overall if we redraft the 2017 draft? I think Donovan Mitchell. I think he just has a little bit more creation juice off the bounce. I think we're seeing some of Tatum's limitations as we get to the higher levels of play. He's just not an incredible finisher. Um, he's not like a high, high level athlete. Donovan's a little bit more spry there. He's a little more explosive and he's really worked on his finishing game around the basket, like the length extension finishes. So I would lean Donovan. Cause again, I, I just think that he's, projects more as an initiator and he can also guard wings because he's so strong and he's long. So I would lean him one and then Tatum two at this juncture. And then I really have no, no idea. <laughs> you have no idea for number three. Maybe the Sixers are still sitting there. They never traded up. They still get Fultz one more time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who knows what happens with Markel? I think we'll know pretty soon next year. I think you, you look for the second year leap. We'll be able to sift through a lot of these guys, but I want to give, all of these guys one summer that's off from all the draft hysteria. You actually can like work out with your team <laughs> complex for a lot of these guys after the season ended a while ago and we'll see how they make improvements because player development is the hardest thing to project how quickly these guys develop in the league and obviously Mitchell is a, a freaking outlier case. That guy is ridiculous. Yeah, once these guys all have their Ben Simmons redshirt freshman year, they're going to be really, really good. <laughs> all right, hey, Cole, tell everybody where they can get a little deeper draft knowledge that goes way beyond my superficial knowledge of, of six players. At thestepian.com, you can either hate or love the name. we got to get mixed reactions on that. Um, I just wrote an article today about takeaways for bigs in the playoffs and how to apply that to this draft class of bigs. So kind of pertinent topics we just touched on in this podcast I covered um, today in an article. So check that out. All right. Thanks, Cole. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the draft season, and I will hopefully talk to you soon. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks to Cole for making time to come on this show. He's got an incredible wealth of knowledge. I feel like he just knows that all off the top of his head. He's studied it so long all year. He, uh, he covers the draft year round. That is awesome. It is good to have passions. All right. If you want to support our passion, the best way to do that is go to patreon.com slash fast break breakfast. Become one of the awesome listeners who financially supports this show, keeps it going, makes it viable uh, for our lives. Um, so you can do that and get access to bonus content. I got some extra audio dropping, uh, some behind the scenes stuff. It's kind of funny, I think, uh, coming up in the next few days. So again, Support the show, patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Write a five-star iTunes review. You can follow me on Twitter at fastbreakbreak. Like us on Facebook. Are you guys the best? Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being GNG. Fast break break, man. You understand? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.